conversations with wedding professionals as they share their stories, insights, and tips from inside the wedding industry. We'll chat about how to be authentic and that it's okay not to be perfect or run your business like someone else's Instagram. Let's dive into the privilege it is to serve our clients and discover the talented creatives that make up our community. When we share what we know and who we are, we better serve our couples as a wedding day team, as well as each other. Simply put, be fabo. Now here's your host, Bobby Brinkman. Hello, podcast listeners. Man, is it fabo to have you joining us again today. Before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that it is such an honor that you follow along with us, and I'm so thrilled that you're here I hope that you're enjoying listening to some candid conversations and hearing other Wedding Pro stories. I'm very blessed that everybody's taking their time to join us. I want to remind you guys to reach out to me via text or via email. You can do that at bobbybrinkman at gmail.com. Let me know your comments, your topic highlights. Anything that you want to talk about, you can reach me there. Once again, that's bobbybrinkman at gmail.com. Also, follow along on my education site on Instagram, which is bfabo. And reach out to me there about speaking, uh, any other roundtables you want to have. And you can also get more information at bobbybrinkman.com. So once again, thanks for following along here on the Beef Apple Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you subscribe. Don't forget to give us a review here and there to let us know that you're thumbs up or even things that we can improve. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Once again, thanks for following along. Thanks for being Fabo listeners. Let's go to the show. Hey, listeners, and welcome back to the show. Hey, today I have the privilege of speaking to Monica. She's the Catering and Events Director at Howler's Catering on St. Simons Island, Georgia. One of the premier catering companies in all of Georgia, we're especially blessed that they call St. Simons Island home. Not only for their culinary talents and their wedding knowledge, but man, they are a huge source in the community. They give back, they're outreach. When there's a disaster, their owner, Dave Snyder, is going to be there with his team to help make sure people are fed and taken care of. I'm really thrilled that Monica, she's a very busy lady, but I'm so glad she took the time to chat with us today. I think your listeners are going to enjoy hearing insights of catering and just how that works and how getting a good catering company along with somebody who knows weddings as much as Monica does is a wonderful attribute and something that you really, really need to focus on when planning your wedding, especially here in coastal Georgia. So thanks, Monica, for joining us. Hang on, listeners. You're in for a real treat. Here we go. Welcome, Monica. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and chatting with you. I'm so excited for you in this podcast. I'm hoping that it is going to bring everybody a little bit of insight about what we do here in the lovely St. Simons Island Golden Isles area. And even above, we have so many destination weddings that come here. So I think it's important that as we grow our listeners, that they really understand that we're here and their professionals are on this island and we can take care of you. So and starting with that, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, where you're at right now and how you got into the catering world. Yeah, sure. Well, I wasn't always in food and beverage, I'll tell you that much. I, um, you know, my background was really, the crux of it was doing events and event management um, for national brands on a national scale. So, for a long time, um, in the early part of my career, I worked in the luxury automotive industry and my client was Audi. Um, and that was for a good six or seven years. And um, we managed, as their event agency, we managed all their um, events and sponsorships nationally. So we would go in and create relationships and sponsorships with like Aspen Skiing Company. We would go to major markets and sponsor things like Carnegie Hall and LA Opera and, you know, really hitting um, major markets and really creating um, ground up experiences. We kind of went from this metamorphosis of traditional sponsorships to this, you know, it was early 2000. So into more experiential marketing and creating events and experiences that, you know, met the client's needs, whether it was launching the A3 or launching the Audi A8 or the Q7, but leveraging all the different um, influencers we worked with at the time and the advertising buys. So it was 
super fun, super fun work and always, always different. So, you know, we're craning a car in Miami onto a, a hotel um, pool deck and doing fashion shows and working with celebrities. And it was just, it was really fun. And, and it really, you know, it's a far cry from what I had started in, which was just sales. Um, and so this was just fed my kind of energy and, and I was good at it. I could juggle lots of balls. I could produce and I could manage teams and, and it was fun. It's really satisfied that need of, um, you know, feeling like you could start a job and it could be really big and really intimidating, but you could rock it. And at the end of the day, you could close the book on it. And everybody was happy because you produced a fantastic event. And did you get to test drive one of these fabulous cars as you, as you got to, when you wrapped up the event, did you get to go, Hey, photo off with this great car? Yeah, we had a fleet in fact, and we used to get to take them out at the proving grounds for Volkswagen and Audi out in Arizona. And I remember doing the um, iRobot premiere out in LA and we sponsored film festivals and things like that. But, you know, there are a lot of concept cars like the R8 at the time kind of came about from their racing heritage, but also from the iRobot movie and which is now, you know, it's a vehicle in their fleet. So we really, we really get to get a lot of um, fun in those vehicles. It was a good time. So how does that even remotely transition into dealing with the wonderful world of brides? Yeah, well, it's interesting because after, you know, when I had that job, I worked here in the Golden Isles out of my home and I was always on an airplane. And at the time, Audi of America and Volkswagen was in um, Auburn Hills, Michigan. So I would fly to Michigan or I would fly to locations wherever we were going. And, you know, it was agency work it was really you know something good to do in my 20s um and 30s and but it's some burnout stuff it is your life when you do that type of work and um so when I left that agency I started my own marketing agency and did kind of the same thing for Saab which was a division of GM and we were a supplier to GMR Works at the time and so we were just this little shop that really knew how to go in and price it right and do, you know, everything from production and the movement of all the display properties of things to um, customer relationship management and um, talent. So we would, we would take the stuff on the road. We would be the talent. We would be the producers of the event and this was right around 2007. So it was like all my eggs were in a basket that was General Motors. Well, once 2008 came around and we had this bit of business that was really about to triple for me and my, you know, the people who were helping me at the time. And, um, you know, next thing you know, the bottom fell out. And I'll tell you what, when, when General Motors is on the, you know, on the crux of losing everything and needing a bailout, the first thing to go is marketing dollars. Exactly. So I went out of business really fast. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was really in this, you know, in this um, world of automotive that centered out of Detroit, but I was working out of the Golden Isles. So it's not like I could just go throw my hat in the ring unless I was willing to move. And I really did not want to. So I had a lot of time to self-reflect and I thought, you know, this is, it, it, it was, um, it was a high stress work. You know, I had gotten married and at the time in that time frame, kind of, and I thought, you know, I, I can handle brides. Like, why don't I just do weddings down here? Like that's a walk in the park compared to kind of what I had been doing, but it still fed the need for me to feel like I could, help and um you know produce events whether large or small like you tell me you want some help planning a kid's birthday party or do you need to you know entertain 300 corporate clients you know somewhere so it was it was weird how it kind of parlayed into that but it really was the nature of where I was living and wanting to stay here and that 
to me was a turning point at the time where this market was becoming more and more of a destination for these types of things. The, I think the industry here was starting to grow to receive that type of stuff. We started seeing a lot more tourism and things like that. So I just kind of started on my own and did some wedding planning. You know, I started doing wedding planning for a while and that was fun. Well, and that's your creative outlet too. I mean, you, obviously when people reach out to you, you almost were at a position where you could be that one-stop shop. You could make all the connections because in that previous job, you had to be really good with working with really high quality, you know, vendors. And, you know, people forget that vendors isn't just a wedding world, you know, wedding word. Vendors are on these shoots. There's production people, creative people, you know, all the craft services. So that gave you, that would have to give you such a head up and a leg up on having to be able to show these brides what's possible down here. So with all yeah. the different places that we can go to and the different venues, you can probably see even more of what could happen and what could be built than a brighting room could. So that had to be a benefit to you. Yeah. And I think it, like you probably know too, and this industry is it, um, you know, I think they long for finding trustworthy people to help guide them. You know, like the perfect case in point is like, when we get a call about a rehearsal dinner and it's a mother of a groom who is from out of town trying to plan a rehearsal dinner and they are just beside themselves. They don't know what to do. And it's nice to feel like you can be so helpful. I mean, there are certainly times when you're so helpful and you're providing them guidance. And in the end, they end up at a venue where we can, can't go cater, you know, at that place. But I would much rather be a good steward of good service and um, insight and be helpful because it really tends to go a long way with people. They establish trust right out of the gate with you when you can, you know, just show them you're just trying to be helpful and, and share with them all the things you can do. I certainly think that we get those calls as, you know, the, you know, people, making the phone calls to a wedding vendor, like, okay, I'm going to call my caterer. I'm going to check this box and this box. And, you know, there's a lot of education that goes on, you know, they call us and, and we're like, you know, we can do as much or as little as you want. If you want us to do decor, if you want us to do wedding planning, find you an officiant, find you, you know, the vendors and facilitate all that. I certainly know from experience that streamlining those efforts certainly makes it easier for everybody. Um, and so it's not always just putting a menu together, but for some, that is what it needs to be. So it's nice that it's fluid and it changes always, you know, you never know what you're going to get from one client to the next. And that's fun for me. Well, and, and are you finding there, you know, remind everybody or tell everybody exactly how you see your title. Um, we all put definitions on, but if brides and grooms are calling and they say, oh, I'm talking to the catering and events director what can they expect? And in, in, in your words, what you offer there with where you are, but in general, do you see a difference from what catering and event directors do for different companies? Well, it's funny because um, I just don't have this background of food and beverage. So I come from into this, like learning the food and beverage part, but bringing all my knowledge of events where so many folks will probably just think I'm calling the caterer. So it's that initial call that I'm saying, okay, do you need rentals? Do we want it? Let's talk about a tent, you know, depending on the venue, we help them, you know, if they want that full service, we can provide it. So it's a lot of sharing, like, well, here's what we can do. And most of the time when we go through that laundry list, whether it's, you know, handling rentals, handling site selection, doing tasting, um, managing the vendors for them. So they are, we're a one-stop shop. I mean, ideally, um, that's what we want to be for people. You know, some people do come in and, and want specific vendors for specific things. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't really know how I might do it different from someone else. But I, I know having not been, you know, at hotels on, on that side of it. I've been at hotels with clients on the flip side of it, you know, buying right. the, the groups and, and doing the, 
the meetings and things like that. So, you know, I might have a different perspective, but in the end, you know, what we really want to be is what they need us to be. And as long as I can share with them the suite of services we can provide, which is almost like destination management for corporate, you know, or full service wedding and event design and support and execution and catering. So, um, you know, it, it depends on the need and, and, and that's what I'm a big believer in. It's like, I think that in this industry, these poor brides and grooms are just so excited and they just get inundated with, you know, I feel like it's really important to give good solid reality checks, you know, in a really nice way. Exactly. They find out really fast how things are going to cost. And, you know, nobody wants to lead anybody down a rabbit hole for it to just blow up in their face. And, you know, I think there's certainly this, you know, we have, as you know, we have three restaurants on the Island, Halyards, Tremici and La Plancha. And, there's probably a perception because Halyards is what it is. And it has a great reputation for fine dining that we're just really expensive. But what people don't realize is, you know, if you tell me you need a menu that's, you know, in the low twenties per head and food costs, we can make that happen. And it's still the same crew of chefs that we use for everything else. So um, that's probably a big obstacle that we kind of fight. And then once, once they get that, you know, quote, and they see, oh, wow, this is palatable for me, when they may have thought, oh, no, like, if I'm not spending 60 some dollars a head on food, I probably can't call Halyards. But, you know, we have a, a this family restaurant that's Italian, and we have great food that we put out from there, and, and the plancha being the taco joint that it is, it's really low key, and you know, every client that calls, we tell them that, yes, we have a menu for you to look at, but we will customize for you a menu within your needs, you know, exactly how you want it. So you just tell us what you need. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. I was just going to say one of the things that I absolutely, absolutely love about you, and I need to brag on you for a minute, is the fact that you are that person. And I think this would be true no matter, you know, what shingle you worked under. I tell everybody that I speak to, any bride that gives us a call, if you just ask you a question, you are the type of person that will, if you don't know the answer, you will find the answer and you are willing to work to help everybody because it is, this whole area down here gets that stigma of, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. You guys are all racking up the prices. That goes to all of us, no matter what genre of the industry we're in. And then you find somebody like you who they fall in love with, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the menu you know, you, that does set you guys apart and it sets you apart because not every other catering company has you and you can do so much more. And I know that brides have always said to me that you just put them at ease and you made them feel that anything was possible. So that's a huge kudos to why you're so fabo. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted you to be early on in the podcast is for all those great things that you do for the industry. Thank you. Well, I just, it's, just, you know, there's times when I do spend, I'll spend 30 minutes on the phone with somebody at the end of the day, I'm, you know, sometimes we arrive at the reality and I'll say, you know, okay, well it might not work here, you know, but I'm going to tell you who you should, here's who I think you should call, you know, it might not be with catering or it might be, they could be starting from nowhere and they don't know where to call for venues and, you know, and it is about that. The nature of the beast here is that we are a tight knit group and we all need to play nice in the sandbox. And, you know, we all benefit from each other being honest and having integrity. And I just think that's what's important. And, and once you establish those relationships with people on the phone, I think, you know, most of the time, as we all know, they're, they're calling you know, 20 different people at the same time. And they're just wanting to get some information, wanting to get costs. And sometimes I think it takes just taking the time to talk to them about, okay, well, tell me what you want. And, you know, I'll, I'm going to be a straight shooter with you. If this is realistic for us to do for you, if it doesn't make sense, you know. And how are, how are couples finding you guys? I mean, are you seeing they're coming in on the website? Is it referral? How are, how are couples picking up the phone and giving you a call? 
I think our website, um, you know, I think our website, when people are from out of town and they Google, you know, that you pick up real fast, like what websites you can look at and they, they can download our menus. And, um, I, I definitely think for that customer who is, has net, let's say for the customer who's, who hasn't come to the golden owls or they've come once, but they now they're planning a wedding. So they just do the search and they go to the website. So I think it is important that our, the businesses here who are in this industry, it, you got to look good online because it says so much about your brand. It's the first point of contact for those people. But then again, you know, I have, we have so many customers who are just repeat business, you know, like doing dinner parties and cocktail parties and cause we do big and small, you know, as you know, like we could be doing a private dinner for 12 people. Um, but there are a lot of people, the ones who live here, um, who, who vacation here, who come here year after year and they know people here, you know, all the time I hear people say, well, our friends who live down there told us to call you. Right. So that's just, to me, that's indicative of the brand that Dave has built with Hallier Restaurant Group in general, which is, is profound. It's such, you know, when I worked for Audi or I worked for Saab, there was nothing better than working for such an amazing brand. And I feel the same about Halyards. It's a fabulous brand. And, um, you know, Dave does such a great job of making sure he takes care of his businesses, making sure that the online presence is there because that's how people are going to find us. Those folks who, who don't know anybody here who can't get that personal recommendation. And then, those are the ones where, you know, you spend the time talking to, to establish the relationship and trust, you know, they trust that they're not taking you for a ride because I think in this industry, (laughs) I mean, even when I was planning a wedding, my own wedding, I was like, is this, are you kidding me? Like an event planner here and I know you're taking me for a ride. So it's just, you know, I just, it gives me that icky feeling. And I know that these people must feel that way sometimes when they call certain vendors, hopefully not in this market, but just, to, I just think the industry in general. Well, I, and that's true. And that goes across the market, but I think especially in destination weddings, I think they sometimes couples go, okay, well, I pretty much have to have my catering there. I have to trust them. So if they're the only name in town or the only ones that I like, I have to really trust that you're being honest with me. So I think it's hard because they have talked to other people and they realize, hey, that's not legit or you're marking that up so high. My friend got married, blah, blah, blah. So being the destination market and quote island always in the word. So if yeah, I always found, I get people say to me, well, you add wedding in the word island. I know you guys are racking the price of 20% automatically, which is not the case for all of us, but it's a misnomer. It really is. It's like, it, it really, really is. I mean, if, if they can get around some of those mental obstacles they have in their head before they even make the calls, they would probably um, set aside a lot of anguish they, they don't need to have. So, so remind everybody, or let's talk a little bit about, you know, Dave gives back to the community. You guys all give really back to the community, but you guys do not just service the Golden Isles area. You guys take your catering a few other places, or you, unless you do events other places. Tell us a little bit about that portion of what you do. Well, we do... Um, you know, Dave and our executive chef from Halyards, they obviously, after the hurricane last year, you know, Mexico Beach was a favorite fishing hole for Dave. And so that was really important to Dave that they go out there. So that was huge. You know, we have the ability, we have trailers and, you know, trucks and equipment at our warehouse that so we could just kind of pick up and pack some things and and be on the move. So that was really special um, that we could do that. He raised a lot of money in this community, which says so much about our community that they were willing to help another community that was in need that could very well happen to us. Um, But probably, you know, the biggest thing that's on the books for us every year that we do is we all literally kind of relocate to Augusta for the masters for 10 or a few more days over 10 every year. And we service, um, 
you know, several corporate clients, several golfers who are there. And, um, you know, it is, it is a well-oiled machine to see this group of people go and these groups of chefs and these teams go out to these different homes. And it's, it's really unbelievable what, what we do up in the masters and, it, and it's fun. It's exhausting. It is, there's no doubt it is exhausting work, you know, 12 to 18 hour days, but um, it's also thrilling. It's why we do what we do. It's, you know, it's, it's fun. Well, it's also, it also gives you a break from all the weddings that you guys do every weekend too. I mean, you guys are very, very busy. You're one of the premier, you know, catering companies in our area. And so to get that little bit of a break where it's not so much weddings is got to be a nice little, uh, a little change of pace as well. Um, So as far as catering goes, a lot of misnomers we're talking about here, but let's have a candid conversation of what are your views, if you can. And then of course, what is, you know, your company's views on you guys supplying alcohol versus people bringing alcohol to an event. How do you guys handle those, uh, cu- you know, client, you know, expectations? <laughs> That's funny. Um, it's funny because it's just been something we've all been kind of immersed in. And I guess my personal take on the whole thing is that for just a long time in this market, it was just probably nobody knew, right. you know, I mean, and, and, you know, there's a, and I think in any small town, if a, if a store is going to have an open house, they don't even think that they can't not just provide a couple glasses of wine to their customers. But what we found was um, we really had to get to the bottom of this with the, um, with some of the folks at the County to, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have read and dissected and our team has discussed the ordinance as it pertains to alcohol. And, um, and I think the hard part is not everybody, you know, there's not a class that they put on for all these people in this business to know this is how you can legally do it. This is how you don't. And, you know, there's, there's no greater risk than doing something wrong like that, where you run the risk of losing alcohol licenses at three restaurants. Right. So if we're not always doing it right, that's the risk. So, you know, what I love about Dave is that he's, he's going to do it how we're supposed to do it. You know? So we sat down with um, one of the County attorneys last year. Uh, There was a new venue coming in town and, and, and there was another venue where folks thought that they could always brown bag it. And we were just like, you know what? We're not going to tell anybody what they need to do. We just need to go get it from the horse's mouth. So, because even in our, within our team, we couldn't completely understand what they were saying in this part of the ordinance or this one. So, you know, what we found out was um, that unless you're at a residence, you can't brown bag it. Right. The only place, as I understand it, and everyone, I mean, let's be honest, every once in a while I'm like, okay, wait, do I, do I have this right in my head? Exactly. And bounce it off each other because of like, wait, what were the last notes? Because there, we talked to the state, we talked to, you know, when we move alcohol from here, for example, to go to the masters, there's a state that's involved there's an agent that we have to provide the inventory with before we put it in the vehicle we have to have you know it's just like it's like all the um distributor vehicles and they have their numbers on the car that shows like there's allowed to be vehicle in this vehicle moving from a to z or what have you this is a very layman's (laughs) explanation but that's what we found was that you know for a long time for example at the lighthouse and the heritage center and we said this in in this meeting we said well but that's county property so i guess the caveat is if it's county property you can brown bag it um now if you're doing an event where you're selling tickets that's a whole nother box of worms exactly and there's a state there's a county and a state piece um and so when we said that about the lighthouse and the heritage center they said 
well, no, that's not county property. The only part of that property that's county property is the gazebo. And we were like, oh my gosh, we've all been doing it wrong all this time. And so I think what was hard for folks who had been here for a while to figure that out, and, and I'm sure there's still that don't know the right or the wrong way. We're, it's certainly not our job to let everybody know, although Dave, trying to be a good steward, would certainly, it, people call him for advice all the time or for his insight because he's done this for so long and they will pick his brain. Um, so, you know, you got to have a license. You can't, I can't go serve alcohol using my off-premise license for Halyards Catering, leveraging the Halyards Liquor License with the state, unless I've permitted it for that event and it's in hand and posted. You can't even store alcohol, you know? So unless you're a restaurant and you have a state license, that's where you store your alcohol. Um, so it's not like you really are only able to, I guess, really store alcohol if you're, or if you're like have a storefront that has a health permit and a state license to serve alcohol, you know what I mean? Well, uh, and I bring that up because, you know, you and I have done events where because we're a destination market, which, which is, this is one of the things that, that kind of baffles me about it, but because you're going to a destination so that everything's new, but yet couples want to bring their favorite beer from where they live at. So I've always thought that was, I know you're trying to personalize your event, but that's where I seem to run into trouble with. And then I know you just explain that in a way that you and I would read that today and tomorrow. Imagine when couples are trying to hire a caterer or hiring somebody and they don't even know what to do about this. And they automatically is the number one question that you get or is one of the top 10 how can I make it cheaper? If I take off a call, will it make it cheaper? You have to hear that question all the time. Oh, for sure. And for so long at certain venues that folks were at, we all thought that they could do that in certain places. Now, you know, the thing is we're so limited on venues in this market and, you know, what we try to do is, you know, our alcohol pricing for catering is not going to be the same pricing as if you were to go get a drink at Halyard's Bar. Like, we want it to be under, we want it to be, um, same, and same with food, you know. So, you know, the best, what, what happens in that scenario is you start spitballing. If they haven't locked themselves in a venue, then you can start talking about ideas. Well, why don't you rent a house on Sea Island and you can brown bag it, you know, or um, because that's a residence. I think one of the easiest ways to, to communicate it is that if there's a venue that you're going to be going to and there is a business license for that address at that place and it's a business, it's not a residence and you have to permit it. And, you know, I think it's been, it goes back to that honesty and integrity and that relationship thing. And when all this stuff kind of, you know, kind of came to a head early last year when we were kind of dissecting it, it was just another piece of the education, um, education explanation. Like, well, actually, you know, and totally honest, I would say, you know, yeah, I think in the past, people thought that they could bring their own alcohol in at the lighthouse, but we've gotten clarification and you can't. And let's, you know, be honest. There are some times when folks will call one vendor versus the next and they're getting told two different things. Right. You know, my hands are tied at that and I'm certainly not going to throw another vendor under the bus. I would I would never do that. All I can say is, this, you know, we as a company run the risk of losing our liquor license if we don't do it the way that we know we're supposed to do it because we sat down with the county attorney and this is what we were told. And so that's it. You know, I'm making that about us and what we, and if you want us to cater at this venue, this is what we have to do. And, and, and the last thing a couple wants is to run the risk of getting their event shut down. Yeah. How embarrassing is that? So it goes back to exactly. You're honest. You're telling them the truth. If they choose to go somewhere else and something happens, 
that's fine. You don't wish them any ill will, but you guys have got to stand because you do have a level of expertise and you have a level that reputation. And I just want couples when they're planning things, again, it goes back to we're all not trying to rip you off. And I hate that word, but we don't, we are not trying to be the mean people here. We're just trying to help you have a day that you're going to remember. And we know the rules we live here. And I don't ever want to see somebody's wedding shut down because somebody called on somebody and we're, and it has happened. You know, we're shut down because they didn't follow X, Y, Z. And I can tell you from a vendor, one of the best things about working weddings with you is I know all the dots are, you know, eyed and all the T's are crossed and, and I can just focus on my job because you guys have handled everything else. So, you know, listen up couples, you know, she knows what she's talking about, you know? So tell us, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that the caveat to all that too, is it's such a, there's such a fear about that being such a huge cost. No, I had this conversation yesterday with the mother of a groom and I was like, you know, I know you don't, you've got, you know, 50 people and you're afraid you're going to have this welcome party after. And I know you're just afraid you're going to get stuck with like a $4,000 alcohol bill at the end. Cause we bill on consumption it, because there's just this fear. Like they don't know how much it's going to cost. And they're like, Oh my gosh, are they just going to be pounding liquor and wine? But just in a conversation, we can identify like, okay, well there's ways we can control those costs. You can serve beer and wine. There's solutions for all those scary budget things. And that could also mean adjusting your menu. So your food costs are lower. You know, you change your menu up and then you serve beer and wine or, you know, there, there just are ways to be creative. People are so afraid to share their budget numbers in this business, but it's also the same business where people are not afraid to just say, okay, what's your budget? What do I need to stay under? Exactly. Takes them a couple weeks to let you know, but I think that's after you've established like, okay, here's where we are, but it doesn't have to be here. If you don't like what you see, you need to just tell me if I need to get it lower and I'll tell you if I can or can't, you know, if it needs to be chicken instead of grouper, you know? And then again, that's a really nice chicken. Well, well, it is. And and that's the thing, you know, you're the expert. And, and so when you guys are talking about this, you know, I think, I think that a lot of people would just automatically assume that every single wedding here has shrimp and grits. And I bet you can testify to the fact that that's not always the case. Right. What are some of the, what are some of the, what are some of the new foods that you are really seeing or, or just some of the trends that you're getting to be a part of or, or just some of the things that you're seeing happening at some of these weddings that you're doing now? Well, I mean, I think there is a lot of ask for the Southern fair. There's no doubt about that. I mean, um, but a lot of times these days I'm seeing a lot, like certainly we do plated. I don't even like to call a buffet a buffet anymore because everything seems to be more strolling, more, you know, not a, a seat for everybody. Um, I see a lot more um, uh, small plates things like easy pickup foods where people can enjoy like a big party, but the food's there, but it's not necessarily knife and fork. And those are fun. You can get really creative with the vessels that you use to, um, you know, to put the food in, but, but, you know, Certainly there are those folks who want that Southern fare. What I think that's part of the education for a bride and groom when they go through everything, calling photographers, calling caterers, calling bakers and venues is um, the cost. And so when somebody tells me, you know, I had somebody, I want French fries for a late night and I want chicken fingers and I want like three different types of French fries and the, you know, and, and, oh, can we have um, an action station with this, 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 what they don't realize is the infrastructure that's required that are as additional costs. So if we're bringing a fryer on site, or let's say you had fried shrimp, and then you were doing something else that's fried, you, you can't do French fries in your fried shrimp, that's going to taste like shrimp fries, you know, or your oven and all those things that you need to pull off the food on, on site. So certain venues don't have kitchens like Villa Aspa or Mariana, and we have to bring those things in, which there are costs associated with it. So there are ways that we can build menus 
that are, um, you know, keep that in mind. So your infrastructure costs, costs aren't over the top either. But in general, as far as menus goes, and just the way the parties seem to go these days, I've seen a lot of, you know, really just strolling, fun, still upscale foods, but more like handheld or just fork, not fork and knife. Um, but in terms of fare and what it is exactly, we just see it all, you know, which is fun because there's really nothing that we can't, we're not pigeonholed into having to make one thing, you know. Well, and you have to love the couples that come to you and say, you know, I love that idea. And I, and I love, because it's so much more than just checking. I want chicken for this person. I want fish for this person. Those days are gone. The yeah. food experience and the experience that couples want for their guests are huge. So you guys have to love when somebody comes in and says, I want you to have five different food stations and you do whatever you want to do and knock our socks off. You guys have to love that creativity part of it. Yeah, it's fun. And it's kind of a lot of the, you know, a lot of the calls that we get will be, they don't know what they want right away in the food department. What they want to know is how much it's going to cost. So my favorite is when somebody calls and says, is there any way you can give me an idea of about how much that'll be? And I'm like, well, you know, we customize each one of our quotes. It breaks down food, it breaks down labor, and it breaks down the infrastructure. And it's all dependent on all the things like guest count, the type of food you want. So what's fun is when they say, okay, I've got, you know, we like seafood, we like, you know, steak, why don't you take a stab at it? And so I usually don't get a lot of feedback yet on food unless they really know what they want until after I've taken a pass at a menu and then they see things on a menu and they're like, okay, that looks good, but what about this? And so that's when the dialogue really seems to start to happen after they kind of get to digest um, a little bit of like a first pass at a menu when they can tell me like kind of what price range they're in. But uh, there's a, it's kind of a misnomer and they think, well, we want to spend about $30 a head or $35 a head. Well, that, that would be just like on food. What they, what they forget is, and I always tell this, if I'm somebody's wedding planner and they're like, well, let's say we've got, you know, whatever budget, if they're even going to share the budget, the budget per head at the end of the day is your total spend. You know, it's, the linens, it's the napkins, it's the tent, it's the venue, it's the photographers, all that. So, you know, sometimes if you're somebody's wedding planner and you're somebody wants to invite 250 people, right? you know, you have to educate them and say, you know, just so you know, if you're spending $50,000 all in on this wedding, you divide that number by your guest count and that's what you're paying per head. It's not like I'm getting a plate of food for $45 a head plus plus, you know. And and so sometimes we get people who look at the menus and they're like ahead and but it no that does not include your forks and your linens and your tables. And I think some people you know, the way everybody runs their businesses differently, some people group it together. I like that we keep it transparent and separate so you can see like this is how much my rentals are going to cost this is how much the labor is and you can't put it in a box so when people call you and say you know how much do you think that would be well i i gotta figure out how many guests you're gonna have how many bartender servers and sues you're gonna need based on your guest count and how many bars you'll need based on guest count and you know depending on the menu also dictates how the back of the house is working and how many bodies I need to do that too. So I like the idea that we can say that we customize everything, but I can't, I can't just put it in a box. You know, it's so suited for someone to get it exactly how they want, which well, it's is a science to it. it. Believe it or not. It's, it's like I said, it's not just checking the box. It's, it's a science of it. There's a math involved on it. So when, when everybody has you guys as their caterer, so we're a couple and we're at a wedding. Are you there from the beginning to the end? 
Um, I, and again, it kind of maybe explained that sometimes you're not always the wedding planner, but if we are, if, when couples hire you to come in as the caterer, you set up, you're there far in advance. How long are you on site, you yourself, or is there always somebody appointed that's over seeing the catering that happens for the day? Yeah. So, and the way our team works is so Michael is like, we do the same thing. He and I just divide and conquer Michael Young and we're the catering managers for all the incoming events. And so then we staff it. And for the most part, you know, weddings, especially we're there. We're usually the first ones there several hours before other staff arrive. And, um, and we're usually there through the end. If we, you know, there are certainly events that we do. Like last night, we did an event at Golden Isles Aviation for Gathering Place. It was very informal. I was there for setup, teed up the staff, told them what they needed to do. We have great staff, so they know what to do. And I was able to leave. Um, so it depends on the type of event. For weddings and things like that, Obviously, Michael and I are there. If we are not there, we have lead staff or captains, if you will, that are the overseer and facilitate. And then obviously, we always have in the back of the house, the executive chef that's running the kitchen. Um, so there's always oversight with, you know, the person in charge. And the person in charge is going to be Michael or me as the catering manager who's kind of dictating everything because we're having all the communication with the client. And then, um, yeah, you know, for weddings and things like that, you know, however big or small, you know, we're, we're there. It's very hands-on. Right. Which is again, why, you know, you're one of the premier, you know, catering companies, you know, in our area and a little beyond give our couples three tips that they should either have three things on their list or tips when they're selecting a catering company for their wedding. Any, I just think that one of the biggest things is they, there's so much stress associated with the whole process. And I think the like tip number one, I guess would be that you're going to, you can find what you want. You just have to ask you, you to share the more information you can share with your caterer to help you get what you want. And the more real everybody can be, the better. I mean, that might not be a fabulous tip, but, um, but I think it's an honest tip. And, and again, I, I'm sure that you would feel that way. If people would just ask you, you wouldn't prolong it so much. Just Tell me what you would like. Let me do what I do and I'll come back to you. So I think that's a very important tip. So what's a couple more? I think it's important to, and I see this a lot. It's not like I don't see a lot of folks taking the advice, but um, you know, it's just important to trust the vendors that you're working with because like you say, they are experts. So there's a lot of times that you know, someone will say, I want this, this, and this. And, uh, and I'll say, okay, this, this looks great. It looks amazing. This is what you want. And I've quoted it, but I'm going to give you like a couple little pieces of advice here that I would make recommendations and receiving that in a way that's like, nobody's telling you what you want is really bad, but we're taking it from our professional standpoint. It's like, you know, if you've got shrimp if you want shrimp as an appetizer and shrimp and grits and then later you want shrimp again you know I would suggest maybe changing up these proteins or you know and I I mean I think that probably goes with everything is is um, being open to asking the vendor whether any of the vendors in this business to share their insight on what they think would work in this space or um you know, because sometimes we have to massage their thought process of, you know, you don't have to seat everybody. You know, there, there are certain things that relate to infrastructure that really affect the end product. You know, like, do you want everybody to be sitting down or do you want more of like an up, you know, fun atmosphere, kind of loungy areas, um, movement around, or do you want this more traditional approach? And I just think if you're dialoguing and asking for that advice, um, and listening to the vendors, you know, there's a lot of insight like that you can share as a photographer that we can share as caterers, you know, that 
you know, we partner with Beachview all the time. I mean, I'm always asking for insight when I'm partnering with Beachview for things because she knows more, you know, Gail knows more about a lot of stuff than I do. And, and so it's, I guess, be open to the collaboration of it all and it'll make for a more fun experience. Well, right, because they, if they go to a venue and then they call you and say, I want 100 people sitting at 10 rounds and you go, great, three fit there. I mean, there's, there's, there's a big difference in what they see and their expectations. And they forget that all these things that they read everywhere online and everything do not always match up to where they're wanting to have their dream. I do's. it just logistically wise, it isn't going to work. And, and like you've enlightened everybody by reminding everybody, it is more about how many bartenders you need. I mean, my gosh, the number one question when you get to the bathroom line is how long's the bathroom line? And oh my God, go stand in line for a beer. I don't want to stand in that line. So you guys provide the information by saying, Hey, you're going to need three people and it's going to cost you. Also, I think that you guys would have to get, you know, really pushy on all the allergies now and that the food allergies that if people need to tell you far, far in advance, cause I, I've been witness to it. People walking right up to you saying she can't eat that. And you're like, if you would have told me five months ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yeah, the good, the the best part about that is that, you know, what we the process for us is somebody calls us, and just the only way we can manage the volume is by saying, okay, I'm going to send you a catering questionnaire, and it's going to cover a lot of the bases. Fill it out as best you can, and that's going to like start the ball rolling for me to start framing out a quote. And one of them is allergies. And these days, you know, brides and mothers and family members, they have a good handle on what they know. And we are not a stranger to some severe allergies to, you know, pescatarians, paleo, gluten-free, you know, the gluten-free and dairy-free. You know, I had a bride ask the other day, she wants a whole menu that's gluten-free, including her wedding cake. And I'm like, done, no problem. Right. But it is important, you know, and if something happened where something was missed, um, we do literally everything we possibly can to accommodate something like that, like on the fly. Um, but in the case of, you know, a strolling or buffet or station type reception where she knows she's going to have 10 vegetarians or whatever, it's so easy to create a menu that can cover those people. Like we can look at that menu after we create and go, okay, those guys, they're not going to eat these proteins, but they've got this quinoa salad they can have. They've got this they can have. They can have the stir fry with vegetables and not a protein. So it's just about tailoring a menu that can cover those bases. And then knowing that if somebody has severe, severe stuff, we bring those people like a separate made plate, you know, for those types of folks, like it would be plated or something. But again, that's, and that's testimony to you guys. You're keeping up with them. And I don't want to call them trends, but you're keeping up with all the current, you know, dietary requirements. And, you know, a, a lot of catering companies don't do that, you know? So, you know, once again, you know, you guys have invested back into your employees, you invested back into yourselves because you want clients to invest in you because you're equally invested in them and having a great day. And, and that's everything that you guys do aside from the restaurants, just on the catering side of it, you guys really go, you and Michael and the whole team. I mean, there's not, there's nobody there that I, you know, I look forward to working with you guys anytime that I can. And, and it's, everybody can learn a lot from you and listening from you. And I'm so glad that you're there that can help the people drive and choose. And you're so much more than just that uh, director of catering. You bring a lot more, you know, to the table per se. And, and I just applaud you and, and thank you for being a part of this community. So before we go, anything else you want to add to the couples, anything else you think they should know catering wise, and then remind everybody where they can uh, get all the information about you. Yeah. Um, anything else to add? You know, I think the hardest part in this venue in the, I'm sorry, in this market is, is venues and they get snatched up real fast Yep. around here. And so it's always shocking when you get somebody calling and it's, you know, less than five months out. So everybody sleeps better at night when you've got a venue locked in, even you've got your major, major locks in. So I think, 
you know, you might not have a date, but you may get close to it. But I think the sooner you can plan out, the better, because what we're finding as time goes by is, you know, you get, we're getting calls a year out, which is fantastic. Um, but the, the, you know, the closer you are to when you want to get married, let's say you give two, two dates for later this year, you know, I made a call to Jessica over at the heritage center the other day for a rehearsal dinner on a Friday in October for this year. And I, and I had told the client, I said, you know, I just don't know, you know, to shoot whether or not that's going to be booked right now. And, and I know that's hard for them to do, but I think, you know, planning ahead and just, just trying to enjoy the process. It's so hard to, cause it gets so stressful, but you know, all these vendors that we work with, you know, I know you, every time you're working with somebody, you're just putting the couple at ease and Tina when she's officiating. I mean, it's just so fun working with all these awesome vendors together because we're just making this experience so great for them when it's can it could have been a really stressful time to plan there's i mean there's in-law management family management you know? oh and just decide that they're trying to just decide that they're trying to find uh you know do a destination wedding where they know really nothing about it they might have come in vacation once in a while but that's way different than planning a wedding so you know yeah. it's a uh, you know, we all put our clients first and, you know, we do it the right way. And I think that's why we're all still in business and, and how we do it. So, you know, I, I thank you for those kind of words because, you know, it means a lot. I, I put a lot of value in the wedding day team and I, I can't stress enough to couples, you know, find somebody you trust, find somebody you believe in and find somebody that just makes you feel good and that wants to invest back into you the way we're asking to invest in us. So remind everybody where they can find you on social media, website, how everybody can get a hold of you. Yeah, so um, at halyardscatering.com, that's our website. It's H-A-L-Y-A-R-D-S catering.com. And then under contact on there, both Michael and I are listed with our direct phone numbers. And um, those are our cell phone numbers. They go direct to our cell. And then there's an email on there that just goes to like an info app that's checked constantly. But um, the the phone number is a great way to reach us directly. Um, and I think one thing that's hard for some people is, you know, when they're planning, they just want to know right away and that we want to get back to everyone as fast as possible. We're usually juggling, you know, a stack of current, you know, quotes we're working on. We're also in production on events. So um, the patience factor, you know, it's tough. I know I get it. Um, but you know, calling us and we will put you in the mix and we will get on it as soon as possible. I know you probably deal with the same thing. And oh, yeah, then, they come down here on the weekend to visit and then where they want to set up an appointment and we're like, we're at a wedding. Yeah. You know, well, and it's, it's kind of like they call you and you're like, Hey, I'm at a wedding. And I've just started doing this for the past, you know, seven or eight years. It's like, Hey, I'm really honest with you. I do not take another event on your wedding day. I'm not going to go meet with Susie on your wedding day because let's, let's be real here. If they had a whole day of meeting with you and then meeting with the floors and then by the time they got to me, I could be 10 minutes from where I need to be at my wedding. And I just, I don't want, I want to give you my full attention for that weekend and that day. And I, again, because they come down here to see us all when they have the time off, they all need to be a little bit patient and uh, you know, it, it's really hard for us to talk on an event. <laughs> it's hard. And then we find a lot of folks coming that, you know, they'll come for Thanksgiving or Christmas and they want to try to tie in a, a site visit or meeting or a tasting. And I have done many tastings on the weekend of, you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving or on a Sunday, you know, obviously we'll all do what we can to, to make a meeting happen. But, um, you know, we do, we have very busy lives. This is a busy, busy, busy job that we all have. So, um, you know, if you call me at eight o'clock, leave me a message and I'll get back to you the next day. Cause I'm probably hanging out with my daughter who is yelling at me to get off the phone. Exactly. And we have to have that work-life balance. Well, listeners, 
I know we're going to have Monica back. She's a, she's a just such an amount of information and we're going to have her back later this summer when she has maybe an hour or so. And we're going to dive into some heavy questions about why tastings are important and some other things that are specifically geared to how you want to secure a uh, wonderful, you know, caterer for your wedding. So thank you, Monica, for joining us listeners. I will keep you posted. Send us in your questions. Email Tina the things you need to know about catering, and then we'll get Monica and Michael back maybe together, and we'll have a little uh, round table of how to have the best of the world and a best wedding or even an event with, with a lovely catering crew here. So thank you again, Monica, for joining us. Have a fab a weekend, everybody. Thanks, Bobby. And if they want to find us on Instagram, we're at halyards underscore catering. Yes, they need to follow along all those beautiful foods. You want, you'll be hungry every time you look at their feed. Trust yeah, me, folks. Sure. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. For more information about today's episode, check the show notes at BeFabopodcast.com. Hey, while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for Monday Motivations, delivered hot to your inbox. And there'll be more... Can we say more? Till next time, be happy.